and it's time for AW Weekly with me, your host, Miss Dynamite herself, Stephanie Chias. I am in such a good mood today, but who am I kidding? I'm always in a good mood on a Friday because that's when I get to talk about AW and AW only with all of you. So today I'm going to talk about Dynamite, of course, and a little bit of news. So get your comments, questions ready. What a day. What a day already. Guns N' Roses dropped a new track today. Absurd. Oh my God. I'm so excited. It's a it's like a reworking of Silkworms, like from the Chinese democracy era. Yes, I know that has nothing to do with AW, but that put me in a good mood first thing this morning when I saw that. <sighs> so, so cool. But enough of that until I finally um, do a Guns N' Roses themed podcast or YouTube or YouTube channel or anything like that, which, you know, of course, is it, really, really my dream. But I've had such a busy, busy week, um, but a really great one. Like at the weekend, we had a web pro show live in London. So easy for me to get to. It was really, really, really fun. It ended... If you haven't seen it, um, check it out on RevPro On Demand because the ending is um, awesome. Like, really, really, really awesome. Um, yeah, and then I'll be at RevPro in Southampton this weekend as well. Um, and I started the week by doing um, an interview with Carmela from WWE. So keep an eye out on Digital Spy for that one um, on Monday or sometime early next week. Then on Tuesday, I dropped like a little podcast episode of, about Jericho and Juventud Guerrero in time for their match that we will talk about later. And then today, today I got to do an AW interview. I interviewed QT Marshall. And I have to say, I don't want to give too much away. It's going to be out on Monday on this channel, but he was so great. It, he was really, really great to talk to. He was so open about everything. And I think that he's just a great person to get a, a chance to have some time with because he does so much backstage and he's so involved in the training that I think if you're a real like hardcore AEW person like me, you, um, you have a lot that you want to ask QT Marshall and I'm very lucky that he was so open to talk about things. So I can't wait for that to drop on Monday. Um, and then, then I had a bit of free time and I thought, you know, I'm going to go to the shops because I'm kind of ready to do my show later. You know, I have my hair done. I have my makeup on everything. You know, I have a bit of free time. I go out at, absolute downpour like I left the house it was beautiful weather as soon as I get like five minutes away from my house the rain just starts pouring I had to just run basically like run in the rain and just come back and fix myself up so that was really unfortunate and probably why I started half an hour later than uh, today but I hope you guys can understand you know it ain't easy it ain't easy indeed um and ooh, I also have some news that I'm very excited about. And I thought that I would share with you guys here first, because if you are in London, 
you can come and watch All Out with me because I will be hosting the Hooked on Wrestling All Out viewing party um, at the Sports Bar and Grill in Old Street Shortage area on Sunday, September 5th. I am so unbelievably excited for this. You guys have no idea. Like spreading joy through AEW is what I like to do the most. And I think what I do best. So to be the host, the hostess with the mostess of an AEW party is an absolute dream come true for me. And I will be thinking of so much fun stuff that we'll do on the night. Um, yeah, I, I honestly can't wait. This is it's so cool. And I really hope some of you can join me. And if you're not in London, I would I like highly recommend going to watch um, an AW event or even or a WWE event at a Hooked on Wrestling party. They are so much fun. And you know what? The world is open up and we can party again. So why not all get together to watch wrestling shows that we can't be there live for? So I'm really excited for that. Look out on my Twitter for more details, ticket links and everything like that. But yes, Miss Dynamite will be hosting a the all-out viewing party. So I'd love um, if any of you can join me. And I got win. Oh, my gosh. What am I going to wear? I don't know. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be lots of AEW music, AEW themes. Judas at least, like more than once, I'm sure. If I have any control of the music, it might just be in a loop. But, yeah, I'm so, so, so excited for that. And... I can't wait. And yeah, so check out my Twitter for more details on that. Now, let's get into the plugs before we start. Thank you for supporting the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple because, as I keep saying, I'm a new little baby in the podcast world and I can only grow and get bigger with your Apple ratings. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Stephanie M. Chase and on Instagram as well, at Stephanie M. Chase. Now that we have all of that boring stuff out of the way, let's get into a little bit of news. Now, it's like the news recently, the news cycle has not stopped. It is crazy how much wrestling news is going on. Doesn't it feel like the late 90s again, kids? It really does. So, this week, it was Adam Cole and Pete Dunne, who apparently their contracts with NXT are coming up. And I know I know that Dave reported in The Observer, Uncle Dave reported today that Adam Cole is talking with NXT about his contract, but he also has an offer from AEW. I have to say, I would love to see Adam Cole in AEW. I did tweet that out this week and it got a lot of traction. It's amazing how many people... Um, I don't want to say fan, how many fans um, mix up Adam Cole and Michael Cole. Guys, come on. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to see Adam Cole in AEW. Obviously, he was really tied to the elite before AEW was even in existence. And he's, of course, dating Britt Baker. But I think he's he's such a talented guy. Um, such a lovely guy as well. I've interviewed him twice and he's one of the nicest people I've ever interviewed. But I think that he's really reached a ceiling in NXT. And just with everything, it wouldn't surprise me if he makes a jump over to AEW. And I think that would be so cool. Like I want I want to see Adam Cole um over on AEW back with his 
his friends. I think there's so much great things that you can do with him. I think the AW fans would be so receptive of him. And I think it's really the best challenge for him. But I guess it all depends what he wants out of his wrestling career. If he's happy being Adam Cole and NXT, then I guess he can stay. But I think that um, for I, I really think that he should aim higher, if you know what I mean, and get into AEW and see how far he can go because he's so talented. Um, to know, is this a troll? I think Adam Cole would be a pretty good shout to be the new Dark Order leader if he joined AEW. <laughs> That's got to be a troll to know because the Dark, or <laughs> the Dark Order does not need a leader. Like, <laughs> the Dark Order is just fine with Evil Uno as a mouthpiece and Negative One as, like, the kind of uh, figurehead. But, yeah, I, I want to see Adam Cole in AEW. And then the other name is Pete Dunn, UK man Pete Dunn. Um, I think I would like to see Pete Dunn in AEW, to be honest. I think that them having um, a big UK star would be really, really cool. I know they have Anthony Gogo, but... I think there might be a bit of a ceiling on, on a go-go just because of some of his health problems. Pete Dunn would be a really good person. And I think that he's another person that's hit like a total ceiling as well in WWE. I don't see them ever pushing him. They brought him in with so much like fanfare and he impressed so many people. And he's really just floated between NXT and NXT UK. And I don't really think they've used him to his full potential. And I feel like there is a good chance that we could see Pete Dunne turn up in AEW. I know like before, um, he seemed like a guy that was very, very loyal to WWE. He seemed like what I may call a drink the Kool-Aid guy, uh, you know, like a Seth Rollins. But I think that he might be more open-minded now to jumping over to AEW. And um, I think that, he he'd be an interesting one to see to see what what could be done with someone like a Pete Dunne in a company that doesn't put so many restrictions on people that doesn't give people such a low ceiling. I, I'd really like to see him um, cross over as well. Tanol says, um, "I was being serious. Just to replace Hangman as the top singles guy for Dark Order, they essentially just tag teams plus Conti and, and Anna J." I, I do have a prediction of, or not a prediction, but just an idea for something that Adam Cole could do if he jumps in. But, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. And yes, it does kind of involve the dark order. Um, Jared says, Pete Dunn can't go to AEW as the money has been saved for Buddy Murphy, Ruby Soho and Bray Wyatt. I think they could find the money for, for Pete Dunn if, if needed. And, you know, uh, none of these people, Buddy Murphy, Ruby Soho or Bray Wyatt are confirmed to be coming to AEW. So I think that if talents out there, good talents out there, Tony can find the money. Um, absolutely. Bray Wyatt's another guy who... Uh, in the time since we last talked, has been released. And he's an interesting one, you know, about there was a lot of debate about whether or not people would want to see him in, in AEW. I think that my stance is probably pretty clear. As long as he's not doing magic, uh, I'd be fine with him coming in if he was, you know, if he if he did something like his original cult leader character, which I really, really enjoyed, uh, I I think he'd be a great addition to the roster he'd be a great mouthpiece for someone as well um obviously I wasn't a fan of the fiend gimmick I don't think that 
Tony Khan would bring in someone doing the Fiend gimmick because we all know like he he was not high on Matt Hardy kind of teleportation things. So I don't think we have to worry, you know, at all if Bray Wyatt comes in that he would be doing the Fiend. But yeah, Bray Wyatt, another free agent. That was an absolutely shocking, shocking release. Um, we want to know more about my thoughts on that. I did talk about it on Wrestling Daily yesterday with Alex. Um, just really how how I feel about the fact that they that they released the fiend. But let's get in to dynamite now because we open with Chris Jericho versus Juventud Guerrero, the third labor of Jericho, where Jericho must win by hitting a move off the top rope. Um, MJF, of course, joined commentary. So this was Jericho and Hoovy's first match together since 1999 and I watched them all this week except of course the the non-televised matches the house shows and I was really excited for this match um I think first point I can't believe Hoovy came out with his mask on because Jericho was the one that took his mask off him uh so I just thought it was kind of strange that he came out with his mask on um I do think they kind of could have talked up their history a little bit better for people that don't know, that didn't really know about it or, you know, weren't watching WCW or didn't go back and watch things or didn't listen to my podcast. Um, but this match, it started off, I think for the first minute or two, it seemed like there was a bit of communication. Um, if you have watched a lot of Hoobies matches, um, it, 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 it was very Hoovy's gonna Hoovy. Um, you know, it just it didn't surprise me that that he was like this in the opening minutes. And he's only had two matches um this year as well. So it's not as if he's getting all the rep, reps in. And I thought, you know, taking those things into account that he did he did put on a pretty good performance. He was certainly very hyped to be there, and the crowd seemed to be liking him as well. So what happened in this match? We had at one point Jericho hitting a backbreaker, but Aubrey would not count because it's not off the top rope. Uh, he then did try and tear at Hoovy's mask, but Hoovy fought out. Um, and then there was a top rope Hurricane Rana spot that Jericho caught, and then he put him into the Lion Tamer, and that did count because it was technically off the top rope, but Hoovy managed to re uh, reach the ropes to break it, and then Juvie hit a Juvie driver for a near fall, and then Jericho hit the Judas effect, but he couldn't cover because, of course, it wasn't off the top ropes. And then he climbed to the top rope and hit a spinning Judas effect to get the win. And that looked awesome. The spinning Judas effect looked so, so, so cool. Um, it just a really like another innovative move. And I hope that we see this more often. Like I hope he pulls this out when he's really you know, kind of in a, in like a desperate spot and maybe the Judas effect hasn't worked. He can go and hit this one because I thought it looked incredible. Then after the match, the bit that I'm most excited about, Wardlow came out and he attacked Jericho, hit the F10 on Hooventud um, before hitting the casualty of Ward Jericho. MJF grabbed the mic and he revealed that Wardlow is the opponent for labor number four. MJF will be at ringside for the match. He will not be the special guest referee. Jim Ross seemed to think that he would be the special guest referee, but it was confirmed later on that he won't 
be the special guest referee. So he's just going to be in Wardlow's corner, I guess, rather than being on commentary for this match. But we all know that I have been wanting Jericho versus Wardlow for a really, really long time. And every week on this show, we've been debating whether or not I'm going to get it. And it's happening. Like, it's really, really awesome. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying. Um, to know, I'm waiting for the outrage, Ari, the reaction of Wardlow as the fourth and final labor being let down by so much of the IWC. Um, anyone that was disappointed by that, like, no, this is really cool. And the thing is, it's really, really good for Wardlow. Like, you're putting him in this position. Jericho has already gone through Sean Spears. He's gone through Nick Gage and he's gone through Juventud Guerrero. It was someone from his past. He went through a death match. And then having Wardlow as the, the semi-final boss, you know, MJF is the final boss, but having Wardlow there as what he has to overcome last before he gets to MJF, like Wardlow could not be put in a better position. And I think that there's many, many great ways that, that they can go um, with this that will really help Wardlow because at the end of the day this should all be about getting the lesser established stars over and Jericho's done a great job with helping the stock of MJF and getting MJF over and Wardlow's a guy that we've not seen wrestle much and this is a big big match for him think of how impressive he was back when he had that match against Cody I really loved his match against Jake Hager as well and I think that every time the pinnacle and the inner circle have hooked up, there's been a lot of emphasis on Jericho and Wardlow, especially during that first um, attack of the pinnacle when Wardlow was the one um, that ended up you know, powerbombing Jericho off the stage. So I've been excited for Jericho and Wardlow to happen ever since the reveal of the pinnacle. And you know, I always say, all elite Wardlow that I think Wardlow's the guy. I think he's the absolute guy. I think he's the guy above um, MJF even, and it's not a slight on anyone else. I'm just really, really have strong belief in Wardlow being the future top star of the company. And this is a really good way to put him on this track. What I want to see happen is, of course, I want to see Jericho win. I think he's definitely going to win because he has to have the match with MJF, and that's what we're building towards, and that's really cool, and hopefully that will happen at pay-per-view. So I think that Wardlow, to be protected, he should win in a way where it's actually MJF's fault. So maybe MJF tries to hit Jericho with a chair or with the ring and Jericho ducks and it ends up being Wardlow that gets hit. And then MJF basically costs Wardlow the victory, but then afterwards he blames Wardlow for losing. And then we can start the Wardlow MJF breakup, which I think we've all been waiting for. Um, that storyline you know, it's been bubbling since these two guys were put together. We've been waiting to see them break up. And I just think that once MJF and Jericho, once that program is finished, it would be really good to see Wardlow pivot to feeding with MJF. And then we can start getting this Wardlow train rolling because they've held back on him for so long, doing anything with him, you know, as a singles guy. And he's got to be ready. And I think that um, during the feud with the inner circle, between the inner circle and the pinnacle. We got to see a little bit of Wardlow speaking. He's He's got pretty good in the mic. He can improve on that. 
And I just think he's a star waiting to happen. And this is a great opportunity for him. And also anyone that was let down by the announcement, like let's think logically, because even though they brought in Nick Cage, even though they brought in Juventud Guerrero, wasn't the most likely thing always going to be that it was, that it was Wardlow? Like, why does MJF have this big guy, Wardlow, if not to use him in positions like this? So, yeah, <laughs> it was always going to be Wardlow. I knew it was always going to be Wardlow. I'm happy it's Wardlow. And hopefully when we're, when we're here next week talking about it, you'll all be thrilled that it was Wardlow too because it's going to be a great match. I think Jericho will do a great job putting Wardlow um, over and giving him spots where he can really shine. Um, Jericho's strength is putting over these young guys. Um, Wardlow, if Wardlow is the guy to make, he's the guy to make. Um, let me see. Uh, Wasabi King says Jericho and Cody have done so much putting people over. This will be the push for the rest of the elite in the few years as well. Um, yes, indeed. Chanel says after next week, there are four rampages and three dynamites before all out. I'm expecting a lot of good mic time for Jericho and MJF. Me too. Um, I'm expecting like the, the promo battles between them to be really, really awesome. I wonder if there'll be any kind of stipulation put to Jericho and MJF's match. I'm not sure. Um, I could see that happening though. Hopefully not a retirement stipulation um, unless Jericho definitely wins, but he's certainly taken on um, a lot, um, a lot recently. Um, we'll get to, you know, some of the other commitments he has coming up that have been announced. Um, Jared, who has asked a few times, why hasn't AW signed Kylan King, Amber Nova and Danny Jordan? I guess it's just because they can't sign everyone. Um, from what I've heard, people that appear on, on Dark, uh, like these these wrestlers you've mentioned are on a special kind of dark contract, maybe before they make it up to having a proper AEW contract. So maybe um, Tony just wants to see them get some more reps in, but at the end of the day, they're getting exposure from, from AEW. So they're in a pretty good position uh, indeed. Uh, next we had the Lucha brother, Lucha bros and Alex Abriantes were asked where Pac was as he's not at Dynamite. Um, Abriantes implied someone was interfering with their travel. Andrade and Chavo walked up and Chavo talked about what it could be like if they worked for him. But the Lucha brothers weren't having it. Um, this was a, a fine segment. I mean, we got another segment with um, uh, with with uh, Andrade later, uh, still not totally sold on Chavo as Andrade's manager, uh, still not at all sold on Alex Abriantes being the mouthpiece for Penta. So yeah, fine segment though. We'll we'll see what happens with Andrade. Uh, we Once this gets to like actually having matches, whether it's him against any, either of the Luchabos or Pac, I think we'll be into really good stuff in ring, but it's just the segments aren't totally hitting for me yet. And uh, next, a segment that did hit, the Dark Order were backstage with Tony Schiavone and they were asked about losing the match last week. And then Hangman Page walked into shot with a beer and he apologized for losing the match. The Dark Order said that they'll always have Hangman's back, but Hangman Page suggested that they go their separate ways. For now, we're done. Adam Page walked off and Evil Uno said to give Page his space. This was really sad, and it only got sadder later. Um, yeah, Adam Page, he's feeling very guilty about what happened last week, and he feels like he let his friends down. So instead of, you know, 
sticking around with them. He wants to take a time out. And it's sad. And we'll get to what happened later in the show as well. Um, then we had a really great fun match. What a trio. John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, and Darby Allen, of course, with Daddy Sting. Uh, they defeated 2.0, who are their former Everwise in NXT, and Daniel Garcia. The best bit in this match was when Matt Lee was distracted by Sting, asking him, are you the real Sting? And then Darby Allen just comes and takes him out with a tope. That was so, so cool. That was a great little um, viral moment. Are you the real Sting? Uh, that spoke to the childhood Sting fan in me. As I tweeted, you know, I did when I was a child. I was lucky enough to shake Sting's hand and I forgot to let go because I was so overcome by the fact that he was Sting. And um, I think Matt Lee felt the same here. Uh, <laughs> so Moxley then gets a hot tag. He takes out both of 2.0. He hit the paradigm shift on Garcia and then tagged in Darby Allen for the coffin drop for the win. As I said, really, really fun match. It's super cool to see how they can put these teams together. You know, Kingston and Moxley, of course, are a team. But then putting them with Darby Allen, who's the other really popular, cool baby face, was just an inspired choice by Tony Khan. And in the end, we got the great visual of Sting Moxley and Kingston in the ring. Just so awesome to think of a John Moxley. No, um, I meant Eddie Kingston. To think of an Eddie Kingston standing in the ring next to Sting. That is so cool. Wrestling in 2021, it's bizarre and awesome because you can get a visual like that happening on the show. So, so, so cool. And I have to say, I was really impressed by 2.0. I can't say that I know that I um, had seen a lot of Everize matches or know a lot about them. So I was really coming in with no opinion on these guys. I thought they really impressed. Daniel Garcia really impressed. And he must have impressed people in the back because he's going to be having a match with Darby Allen next week. It was announced. So that's really cool for him. And it's nice to see some new young blood um, getting in here in AEW. Wasabi King says that Tope was amazing. To uh, Noel says, feels like Triple Mania should have been later in the year, like October at the earliest. I'm not sure what that was referring to. Oh, <laughs> sorry, it was your previous comment. Um, speaking of Andrade, Andrade does doesn't it seem like strange timing for Triple A's Triple Mania to be next Saturday when he almost can't beat Kenny for the title? Feels like Triple Mania should have been later in the year, like October at the earliest. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure um, about Triple Mania's booking, I'll be honest, but I don't think that um, Andrade will be beating Kenny for that title. It's That one's a really hard one to work out because you've got two guys that are on AEW television that are having like another, like a, a match in another promotion. It's an interesting one. Um, for Wrestling Outsider, it says Darby is a bullet. Um Tanul says, I was so impressed that Sting didn't flinch at all when Darby did that dive like inches from his face. Sting is a true, true pro. <laughs> and Tanul adds, um, Eddie was marking out for that spot and he didn't care who knew it. <laughs> he was indeed. Uh, he was really like the child and Eddie Kingston was coming out. What a guy. Um, next, we had like a promo video of both Brian Cage and Team Taz. Cage said he destroyed Team Taz, while Taz said it's better to be in the group and out of it. Um, 
This was fine. Still not sold, as I said last week, on Brian Cage being able to talk for himself. Um, I think he does need a mouthpiece, and he's probably better off in Team Taz. We'll see how he does, you know, having broken up from the group. But I can see him be someone that gets kind of kind of lost in, in the shuffle and AEW just because he's got a really dominating look, but I don't think that his personality is that strong. And when you think of how incredible this roster is, it's going to be re really hard for some guys to stand out. I think, especially, you know, coming up when we get, when we get some new people in here that are really, really going to amp things up. Um, next was a segment that got a lot of people talking. The Elite were backstage. Um, Gallows and Anderson announced they'll defend the Impact Tag Team Championship on Dynamite next week against the Dark Order. That's pretty... That's pretty funny because, of course, the Dark Order lost their shot at getting the AEW Tag Team Championship. So they're getting a little like a, of a booby prize here, I guess, to be uh, the Impact, <laughs> um, to take on the Impact Champions. But then the Young Bucks said there's nobody left to challenge them. Omega said Paige blew it last week and now he's got no friends. Um, and then Alec. Uh, Brandon Cutler cut down the net of the basketball hoop. So as as my dear friend Alex McCarthy said on Twitter, this was full of Easter eggs. We had Gallows in a flower robe. And of course, another release that we didn't talk about at the start of the show is Ric Flair. Ric Flair is done with WWE. Doesn't it just feel like they're doing everything they can to get Charlotte to come over <laughs> to get Charlotte to leave? Like seriously? Yeah, Ric Flair is done with WWE. So Gallows there with the T's in the flower robe. We had Omega wearing a cookie monster tee because of course CM Punk will say that CM stands for cookie monster. I guess he couldn't find a tee that said chick magnet on it. Um, uh, Anderson was wearing a Bollywood boys tee. They're another team that uh, were released by WWE recently, and they actually just appeared on Talk is Jericho. Young Bucks were in Hawaiian um, t-shirts, which could be Young Bucks fashion or could be a Bray Wyatt reference. I like to stay on the fun side of things, and I'm going to say it's a Bray Wyatt reference. And then at the end of this, Brandon Cutler, of course, broke the net, like break the internet, you know, Kim Kardashian's bum style. Um, I thought this was very cool and clever and it really got people talking and it was a lot of fun for people to, you know, figure these things out. Kenny's Cookie Monster Tea, especially for those that know, like they knew and th there wasn't a direct CM Punk reference on, on the show the way that Darby said best in the world last week. But that was another great little hint, you know, to keep us excited about Punk's debut. Uh, also, they don't really need to do any more big Punk teases because they've sold out the freaking arena, um, which is incredible that they've sold that out. And I think it's, you know, obviously it's so much to do with the anticipation of CM Punk coming back, but I think it's also to do with the strength of AEW as well because this was not a hot product and a hot company it would be it would not be as easy for them to to sell that out even with the idea that CM Punk's coming back. Um hello to Matthew. He's put the um Easter eggs out there. Um he said there's another hint other than Cookie Monster which I'll share during the Elite and Hangman segment. Okay. Um Tanil said Charlotte would be great. Um I know I felt the same way when Sasha Banks tried to leave in 2019. Yeah, I think that Charlotte would be great in, in AEW as well. I don't know how long her, her contract is. But 
when we get to the hangman segment i think I, i'll i'll let you in on where i think this is all going um so christian cage then defeated the blade with the bunny this was another christian match he went for the kill switch but blade fought out and counted the tornado ddt into power slam for two blade hit a release suplex and a kick then he used the turnbuckle to distract the official to get a brass knocks but he walked right into his sphere giving christian the win then later on in the show we had um, Christian backstage with Shivani. He is now the number one contender for the AEW World Championship. Um, he was then asked about Layla Hirsch if he'd back her up um, because of the interference during the Blade match. But, Chris, but Christian doesn't just have friends. He has best friends. Um, he came back to cement his legacy and win championships. So Christian is the number one contender. And, of course, it hasn't been officially announced, but it sounds like all the, the rumors are that Christian will be Omega's opponent for the pay-per-view. And... That's an interesting one because I, of course, thought from the beginning that they were headed to a Christian Omega match. It seems like something that they teased really early on and then kind of backtracked on because I don't think that Christian, as much as he's Christian, the, the reaction to him is certainly not as strong um, as it is to to other competitors in WWE, other legends and another ex-WWE guys. But I really feel like Christian and Omega is more of a TV match than a pay-per-view match. But... Of course, we don't really know what's going to happen at the pay-per-view because we don't know what CM Punk will be doing. We don't know if, they, if they're bringing in anyone else. So I think that the whatever Omega's match is, if Omega's match is with Christian, if it's not with Punk or Brian or any of the other names that you want to throw out, um, it will be the secondary match in the show which is interesting, you know, that's what they did last show when he was in that triple threat with Pac and Orange Cassidy. You know, this show was headlined by the Stadium Stampede match. So it's good that they don't need the championship to to headline pay-per-views. But at the same time, it's, you know, it it's what kind of Omega's reign has been like because Omega's reign has always felt like we're just building to Hangman Kenny and it did look like we were getting it. And now it seems like we're not getting it, and we'll get into that more later. But Christian, as a pay-per-view contender, it's he's not a strong contender. However, we'll see if they ask for the pay-per-view, and then what else that they'll that they add to the pay-per-view. But um, uh, Jenna Zeeb says Christian does not have that vibe for me for pay-per-view championship match. Rather have Darby versus Kenny for AW championship, and then set up. Punk versus Kenny at the end of it. I would I would much rather um, have Darby challenge than Christian as well. But we'll see like what he's doing with Punk, whether him mentioning, you know, best in the world was a bit of a red herring, but he's certainly a stronger championship contender than than Christian. Also, it's it's difficult with their rankings because like yes, Christian is number one in the rankings, but at the same time he hasn't beaten any like top level guys and I think that the rankings are a really really good idea but they're pretty hard to implement properly where it seems more even and fair because you can look to a lot of other guys that must have had like many many wins you know like for example how many wins has Miro had and I know he's TNT champion but like how do you factor things like that in um 
Uh, he also sang the Golden Girls theme song, yes, which I thought was a very random. That was like a WWE-style ancient reference, unless he's very into the drag community where Golden Girls is a huge thing, and that's really how I know about and have watched Golden Girls. Um, Tanol says, I feel like it was weird that they named Christian number one contender since he was number two behind Jungle Boy of, of for the announced rankings early on Wednesday. Didn't need to name Christian number one since Jungle Boy has just lost to Kenny at the end of June. Um, Matthew says... Christian versus Kenny on Rampage. Jungle Boy doesn't help Christian gets mad. Jungle Boy versus Mir on a Dynamite on Rampage. Also, Christian doesn't help Jungle Boy as he's about to win. This leads to Jungle Boy versus Christian at All Out. Um, I'd rather see Jungle Boy versus Christian at All Out than I would see rather than Christian versus Omega. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, Wasabi King mentions that Ruby Soho is a huge Golden Girls fan. <laughs> but yeah, enough on Christian. We'll see. We'll see where he's going next. Um, then they did a promo between Santana and Ortiz and FTR. Obviously, we had the match last week where um, Cash was real. His arm was really badly hurt. Um, Dak said he almost watched his friend die. Uh, so what they're really doing is blaming it on Santana and Ortiz to obviously set up the rematch and they showed some awful pics of Cash's arm so it looked like a really really bad injury and thank god he's okay um those pics though wow <laughs> there's a lot a lot to put on tv um then we had a promo by Dr Britt Baker um so she was talking to Tony Schiavone saying it was right here in Jacksonville where she won the AW World Women's Championship. And then we had Red Velvet's music playing. She walked out and insulted Britt Baker and said that she wanted a piece of DMT, DMD. Baker said that she beat Velvet in three minutes the last time they fought. Um, and then Velvet may have been enhanced enhancement talent before, but she's 22 and four now, uh, so she's earned a shot. Britt accepted the match will happen in Baker's hometown of Pittsburgh for the debut of Rampage uh, next Friday. Rebel tried to attack Velvet with the crutch, but Velvet had it scouted. Baker attacked and curb stomped Velvet before driving the crutch into her throat. Um, I thought this was an interesting opponent for Britt, certainly not one that I expected, just because Britt is like the most baby face heel. Everyone absolutely loves her. They're going to love her even more in her hometown on Rampage next week. So I think this is quite a difficult position to put Red Velvet in, who has been racking up those wins over on Dark and Elevation, but she's not someone that we've seen a lot of on Dynamite outside of her feud with Jade Cargill. So I, I, I just felt like for Brit's challenger in Pittsburgh, I would have maybe brought someone in, like a strong heel figure in, or just used one of the heels that AEW has. But it's interesting decision. It's nice to see Red Velvet get um, another big match. But gosh, I feel like she's always in such a difficult spot, you know, having to be um, Jade Cargill's first opponent, where she did incredibly well in that match. And now she's going to be Britt Baker's opponent in Pittsburgh. But I do like that they brought up, you know, how quickly Britt beat her before so that we can in the match see like the growth of Red Velvet who has been working really really hard on the YouTube shows and racking up all those wins. Next we had Andrade back again. He was about to cut a promo but Chavo found someone who's going to work for him. Fuego de Sol. Uh, Chavo wanted Fuego to sign 
shine Andrade's shoes, but he wouldn't do it. Andrade had enough and attacked him, tossing him into a garage door. Chavo said that if the Lucha Boys keep working for Pac, they'll never be champions. Um, this was, it's just another fine. It's, it's always nice to see Fuego on TV, but I don't want to see him get hurt so much all the time. Um, I think there's nothing more to add to this than I said before about the pairing of Andrade and Chavo. It's just not clicking for me yet. Um, it's just not. And we'll see what happens when this feud actually gets going in the ring. Um, yeah, heels attacking Fuego dissolve, um, brutally. Uh, yeah. Then we had the Hangman Page segment. He was about to speak in the ring to Tony Schiavone about why he's still up with the Dark Order, but the elite interrupted. Omega suggested that Page could be out here to make a plea to rejoin the elite, but Page denied it. Denied it. Omega mocked Page's relationship with the fans. He considered giving Page a shot, but said Page wouldn't fit in with the elite anymore. The elite doesn't have losers in our group. Page had enough and slapped Omega, but was overwhelmed to take out the magic killer. The Dark Order then ran out to save Page, but Uno and Grayson stopped them. Um, the Young Bucks hit repeated BT triggers on um, Adam Page. Frankie Kazarian then ran out, but he was beaten down as well. Omega crushed Page with a belt shot. And yeah, so it seems that Hangman is not the all-out opponent. And I don't know if this was if this is something that's going to take him out for a couple of weeks or not, because it was a pretty brutal beatdown. Um, I think with um I think with Hangman not being the all-out opponent, um, I really do think this is, you know, due to the fact that his wife is due um, to have a baby around the, the time of all-out. So I don't think anyone kind of blaming it on the fact that they're bringing in Punk or whatever. I think that's not true. And I think that no matter who they bring in, they, Omega, Tony Khan, everybody knows that Hangman is the story that has to be told. I don't think that they're ever going to give up on that. I think we will get that great moment of Hangman beating Omega. Sometime it might not be as soon as we thought, but we will get it. I mean, when they started this, what looked like a build to their title match, I did think it was too soon. I always wanted it to happen um, at Revolution in February. And maybe now, like, that's the date that they're going for. I'm not sure. But I'm not, like, upset about them ending this because I just have enough faith in AEW and what they do with the booking where I think that things will work out. Um, the Dark Order storyline, it's sad. But this is all, you know, Hangman, he's just always, like going through a breakup and like that's the way they're telling that story and he's asked his friends for space and as much as some of them you know want to be by his side like he's made it clear that he kind of needs some time by himself and evil uno and Stu grayson are you know trying to respect his wishes here and i'm just wondering if hangman because is going to turn his attention from Omega, maybe to the Young Bucks, because the Young Bucks were out there saying that they have no contenders left. Hangman has always had a problem with the Young Bucks. Like that was what was going on when he was partnering with Omega. So I'm wondering if maybe we'll get Hangman and a mystery partner against the Young Bucks at the pay-per-view, which would be really cool for a mystery partner. I think Adam Cole would be a really good shot if he wants to jump over or, um, or um, like Daniel Bryan, but I think Hangman and a mystery guy 
versus the Young Bucks would be great. I mean, CM Punk is also an option. I don't really see them doing that with Punk. But if you were bringing Adam Cole in, especially because of his history with the Elite, that would be such a great surprise partner for Hangman to go after the Young Bucks with. I think that would be really, really good, especially if you could keep it as a proper pay-per-view surprise where Hangman is teasing who his partner is going to be. And maybe you could even lead people to think that it's going to be Frankie Kazarian. And then the reveal at the show is, no, it's actually someone like a Cole or a Daniel Bryan or even a Punk. It would be awesome. Um, then we had Dan Lambert. He's back. He cut a promo about um, Lance Archer attacking him a few weeks ago. He said he would bring back up next week for something. I don't know who Dan Lambert's going to be. Um, one name that the only name that kind of comes top of my head is King Mo. Um, but I really enjoyed Dan Lambert the last time he was on AW. So I'm hyped to see him to see him come and see who he can who he'll bring with him. And I think it'd be really cool this time if he went head to head on the mic with Jake Roberts. I think that'd be interesting um, to see how Jake, who is of course a legendary promo, um, manages to match up to a Dan Lambert who has shown himself to be one heck of a talker. So we'll see what happens next week and who Dan Lambert brings with him. Then we have the TNT Championship, Miro versus Lee Johnson. Um, so this towards the end here, we had Johnson countering a pop-up into DDT, but Miro got up, but he was wobbly. So Johnson striked him more. He drop kicked Miro to the floor and landed two straight Tope Suicidas, followed by a Tope Con Hero. Johnson then landed a diving crossbody, but Miro kicked out at one. Miro went for a German suplex, but Johnson flipped out and repeated thrust kicks. Johnson went back to the top rope and hit a fog splash for two. He tried to hoist Miro up, but Miro fought out and crushed Johnson with a high kick. And Miro then called for the game over and locked it in for the stoppage um here we go Miro J's in the chat it's finally time for God's favorite champion the Redeemer Miro game over for Lee Johnson <laughs> um this I thought was a really really good match I saw some people complaining that Lee Johnson got too much I don't think he did um I think it's good for Lee Johnson is someone who you know they're building up and he he debuted with a bang back when he had his first dynamite match and i think that it miro was just very great at being like even though it wasn't the quickest victory for miro he seemed so unbeatable because johnson was really pulling up all the stops to try and take him down and it didn't work so this was Miro is just the most exciting to watch of out of any champion that I can think of in in any promotion. He has like the most exciting ma matches. He's so absolutely brutal. It's so cool. His promos are great. I just love the whole persona that he's put on. This is such an amazing change from him being that guy who's wife left him for, for Bobby Lashley and all the stuff they did with him in, in WWE. He's really, really fine himself. This I think this character is even better than the original Rusev character in WWE. He's just doing so great. Um, as Tanol says, still no obvious direction for Miro at All Out. Seems like the choices are being thinned week by week. Yeah, I don't know who his All Out opponent could be. That's a really good shout. I'm trying to think of who like he could possibly challenge. I'd like to see him go against a really, really 
big, strong challenger because uh, I want to see like a total beast fight. <laughs> Maybe we could heat Wardlow up by then. Um, but no, he's just been so dominant that it's, it's going to be hard to see like when he when he'll actually lose this belt, because I can't see anyone beating him. Miro J says, um, give the Redeemer some proper competition. Um, and then Brian Cage. <sighs> I think Brian Cage is a bit of a weak challenger for him. I don't think that would be that good a match. Tanol says Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston would be great with Miro. I think they'd work really, really well together. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see like in the next coming weeks, you know, who is lined up as a challenger. But I just want to see Miro beating guys every week. It had been a couple of weeks since he'd had a, a match on Dynamite there. And even though his promos are really good and his video packages are great and he always gives us some great line about his wife that we can remember, I still would just love to see him crush guys every week. Doesn't matter who. Send out anyone. Send out Frego anyone. Wasabi King says, Eddie for Arthur Ashe show. That'd be really good. I think Eddie is someone, if they don't give Eddie Kingston a big match at Arthur Ashe, they're, that's a mistake because that guy is going to get a huge reception there and you, you better capitalize on it. Um, Matthew says, Tomohiro Ishii, if they want to bring someone over from New Japan, he would be really, really good um, to bring over from New Japan. Oh, and Ishii or Suzuki against Miro would be absolutely unbelievable um Tanol says Ishii is who I think Mox is going to wrestle it all out since Tanahashi um seems like is out uh, I still prefer Tanahashi um yeah it'd be interesting to see if they do have a, a big new Japan name on that all out show it's going to be absolutely so stacked if they do that if you add in everything else that's going on like punk uh, and then bringing over you know a new japan guy for it too wow uh then we had the announcement of the announced team for rampage it will be excalibur mark henry taz and chris jericho now after this announcement taz was very much like thank you to tony shivani and jim ross which i saw some people speculating maybe taz is moving off the dynamite commentary team just because of of what he said i I hope he was just saying like thank you guys uh for like shepherding me for my first for, um you know on dynamite now i'm going to also be part of another announce team um because excalibur leaving that announce team would not would not be good he's really the glue that holds it all together um as for the announce team obviously like uh taz and jericho i think are awesome like i love taz on commentary and dark i think he's absolutely fantastic you know that i love every time jericho's in commentary excalibur i think is the greatest commentator working in north america right now mark henry i have no idea what mark henry is going to be like as a commentator so it's going to be interesting to see um to compare him to big show you know big show's doing the commentary in elevation i love big show's commentary in elevation but it's very um what's the word it's not very big time if you know what i mean like Paul White comes across so well on Elevation and he comes across as just like a nice uncle that you're watching wrestling with. And I, do, I don't think it's the kind of commentary that would work on a main, um, like a network television show. So we'll see what Mark Henry's like. I wonder, is it going to be four men every week? Because that seems excessive. I'm not a big fan of a four-man booth. Uh, I think three examples. So maybe they're going to 
rotate people around, especially if Jericho, I don't know if he's going to take time off, but he's got a lot of fuzzy stuff. So maybe they'll rotate like Jericho and Mark Henry or Jericho and Taz or Taz and Mark Henry. I don't know, but I'm excited for the prospect of seeing Excalibur, Taz and Jericho together. And I want to see what Mark Henry is like on commentary. Next Friday, guys, we are a week away from Rampage starting. Do you guys know, if you're not in the UK, that Rampage is on at 3 a.m.? So from now, like from next Friday until, I don't know, like the rest of my life, I will not be going to bed on a Friday any earlier than 4 a.m. That's crazy. Tanul says, four-man four boost seems like overkill. I hope they rotate the three-color guys. Uh, if they insist on all three of them, would prefer just Excalibur and Taz. Um, I hope they do rotate as well. I think four can be a lot. Um, I just hope to God they don't um, start arguing. <laughs> because men arguing is my least favorite thing. And, <laughs> and sometimes, like, the more guys you get in commentary, like, the more that's inclined to happen. But I don't think it will because we're not WWE. And WWE is home of men shouting at each other so much that you have to mute the TV. But I think these guys will do a good job. Um, next, we had a number one contendership match for the NWA Women's World Championship. Layla Hirsch defeated the Bunny. Um, We had quite a lot of people at ringside. Camille, the NWA Women's World Champion, was at ringside. Nyla Rose was at ringside. Chris Statlander was at ringside. So the ending of this match, Bunny got a thrust kick and a Death Valley driver for two. Hirsch fought out at a down the rabbit hole, went for a cross arm breaker again. She transitioned it to the center of the ring, forcing Bunny to tap. And then we had after the match, this was amazing. Camille got in the ring. She looked incredible. She is so tall. So Camille is reportedly five foot 10, but her heels were about five inches. So she was about six, four in the, in, in those heels. And then Leela Hirsch is allegedly four foot 11, which means she's even smaller than me because I'm five foot one. So watching this, I I loved the visual so much. I was like, I want to stand opposite Camille. This is so cool um, with, with, with no shoes on. But I think Camille is a future superstar. And I was really happy to see her on Dynamite. I think it won't be long till she is in AEW. Um, because, you know, not to skip ahead, but the next thing that we got was a promo by Jade Cargill. And you can't have those one after the other and not think about the possibility of these two having a match. Just two amazing looking women. Um, as far as the match goes, I think that the bunny... Bunny needs a lot of work, to be honest. Layla Hirsch is great. She is a great prospect. I love her style. I know that so many people are behind Layla Hirsch. They want Layla Hirsch and Team Taz, all of this. Um, she's she's really great, and I think that she carried this match pretty well. Uh, I think she'll have a much stronger match against um, uh, Camille, though. Um, Chanel says, Camille was already going to tower over Layla, but in those stilts she calls heels and made it look like they were different species. Uh, Wasabi says, Camille's heels, lol. Um, Matthew also wants to next to Camille, probably for different reasons. Um, Pro Wrestling Outsider says, Tony Khan should buy out Camille's NWA contract uh, like he did Thunder Roses. Yeah, that'd be a really good shout, but I mean, per NWA. Um, 
Uh, Tanel says Camille versus Jade the winner gets to keep using silver hair <laughs> uh, so as I mentioned we did have a little promo from Jade Cargill and Mark Sterling next Mark Sterling said that Cargill has been wrestling because they've been looking at all the other ventures including ho um, Hollywood but she's now back, back to wrestle and she's going to have a match this Monday on Elevation now let's get into this main event um, Malachi Black defeated Cody Rhodes. This was good versus evil, but it's up to you who you think was which. So Malachi Black came out with his entrance. Firstly, I think this entrance was awesome. His music was really cool. It was on par with his NXT music, which I thought was, was very good as well. And I think that it must have been hard for Malachi Black to think of how to have a cool entrance because his NXT entrance, the sitting up entrance was so, so awesome. But he did it um, here. Uh, I listened to him on Talk is Jericho today, um, which I may talk a little bit more about later. But he talked about um, you know, how the NXT entrance was created. Um, but he talked about this entrance here being like more doing more with less, like more minimal. So I think he really achieved something. He had like this jackalope beaded headdress. Um, it was just awesome. And Tommy End is a hundred percent winning back his cool points with me because I know I said that he lost, um, most of his cool points because of his Twitch stream. Um, after listening to him and talk to Jericho, he was so, so great. I wish he had just done that instead of ever going on Twitch. But I'm very high on Malachi Black now because he also did not use any kind of magic. He was just being creepy and I'm totally down with that. The only thing I can say is I wish someone would give him a makeup wipe. That is my only gripe with him. He does need, he does not need an Urban Decay palette on his face. Um, because it is like it it is just like an eyeshadow being smeared on his face. It's not any kind of great special effects makeup. And I just think it takes away from the overall look. He's he's so visually interesting anyway. You know, he's got all the the tattoos, he's gonna come out with his headdress and the hood. He's visually a very interesting guy, and I don't think he needs that extra with the with the makeup. Um I find it to be a distraction. Uh, in a bad way but everything else I just want to state that he gained many cool points with me um then Cody came out with Dustin he was wearing his little Homelander jacket there were audible boos for Cody uh, there were cheers too but it was very very mixed he hugged Dustin so immediately guys we knew that something was up we are getting Cody emotion here uh, Cody also did a conference call um earlier that day or the day before now I can't remember but I was on that call I asked him about UK stuff but he was getting very emotional in on that call and I was very certain heading into this dynamite that he was going to pull some kind of trick like retiring and well we'll see uh so this match, it was a short one. We had Black hitting a leg kick right away. Uh, Cody went for a figure four, but Black gouged Cody in the eyes. Cody came back with an insecurity. Black took Cody down with a leg sweep and locked in a single leg crab. And then Cody surprised Black by going for the crossroads, but Black fought out. Cl Cody climbed on the ropes, but Black kicked out his leg, sending him flying backwards through the timekeeper's table. 
the crowd went wild for this. This was a really cool spot. He barely made it back into the ring for the 10 count. And then Black hit his spinning heel kick, the form of Black Mass, to pin Cody in about four minutes. So one heck of a decisive win here for Alistair Malachi Black. Um, Russell and Riggle, hello to you, uh, says Black has done more in the short period of time at AEW than he did at WWE, and we are very excited to witness this. He absolutely has. Like, this presentation of Malachi Black is what his presentation always should have been. Like, I've said before, when he came into NXT, I totally bought him as a, as a guy, as a future top guy. I always felt, though, that with the influences that Malachi black had the alistair black like i knew what influences that he was pulling from there was a lot of alistair crowley stuff um or even anton levey stuff he was doing a lot of stuff in the, the in the dark kind of satanic world and i always felt like from the beginning seeing alistair black reading interviews with alistair black and the kind of where he was pulling stuff from i always thought vince mcmahon's not going to get this at all and i i'll be paraphrasing him but what he said on talk is jericho and i highly recommend that is that basically vince didn't get him and whatever it was that he was bringing to Vince, Vince wanted to be able to understand it and like mold it himself. And he never really got there with him. And I can see that there, like there being a huge kind of gap between where their thinking was. Um, but in this match, he looked amazing. I, I said on Wrestling Daily, like if he's going to be, you know, no supernatural, no magic, if he's going to be just like goth, devil worshiping steve blackman i am so down for that so so down for that um he he was just so impressive then let's get to the post-match tony shivani is like i gotta talk to cody the guy's near dead but let me come and talk to him tony tony's a a a, a a uh, ruthless journalist, it seems, it, going in to get an interview with Cody at this time. Uh, I would never be so bold. <laughs> uh, a crutch was brought in for Cody. And then we had a promo. And this promo I'm going to break down because I think it had all the tropes of a Cody promo. And I'm still trying to work out in my head whether this was Cody, like Cody wrote this promo totally, like sincerely, obviously knowing what would happen at the end, or if this was a self-aware stroke of genius, because this had everything in it. Um, he's first, of course, he has to talk about legacy and Dusty. Then there's there was a WWE reference slash dig, um, which I always love. I always love if anyone takes a shot at WWE, especially Cody, where he points out that they're competition after Vince McMahon saying he doesn't see them as competition. Um, then, of course, you have to have a bit of an insider reference. That's where he referenced infighting with, among the EVPs, which has been a little bit of a rumor um, that he, on a previous conference call, debunked. But then... He has to say something that he gets super emotional about to start an AW chat among the fans. Um, so these are all the little like Cody things that we've seen in promos before. Like his promos can be very formulaic with where he does bring out these old tropes. So just when you were watching thinking, okay, I mean, I don't know how many people bought that he was going to retire here, but I think there was a large... Um, 
section of people that were kind of eye rolling maybe and then he takes his boots off jr points out on commentary that a guy usually takes his boots off when he's about to retire then before he can retire malachi black <laughs> attacks him with a crutch this was great this was a callback of course to a couple of weeks ago where he just stopped cody from talking by hitting him with a crutch and i mean if cody is the guy that i love i will i love cody of course i love cody but he can be a bit grandiose with things he can be like a bit too much and i just feel like malachi black influenced not just by by satanism but also by jarvis cocker at the 1996 brit awards and if you don't get the reference look it up he is a uh, stopping things outright that he thinks are just a little bit much to digest um i thought that this was a great great ending to the show malachi black got such a decisive victory over cody then you turn the attention to cody and he does basically kind of like an overreaction because if he's going to retire because he's lost ones then you know that he probably shouldn't be in the business but he has this overreaction where it seems like he's going to retire and then the focus just goes back to malachi black because he's like no dude like i'm not even going to let you do that and it just stays like evil the whole way through it was really good my prediction for cody is that he will be out for a while i think he's going to come back with dark hair um we're going to get black haired cody rhodes and he's going to finally be a heel i think it's going to be like this has turned him to the dark side i think they're going to do something like that something like psychological that malachi black will be really into as well because the crowd are receiving malachi black so well and i am now receiving malachi black so well he was freaking cool this was awesome let's see what some of you thought um Wow, I have to go quite a way back here. Um, Matthew says, rocket strap him immediately. That's black. Hangman gets a title from Kenny. Malachi gets it from Hangman in 2022. Both title changes will happen. Malachi Black's absolutely a future champion. Wouldn't he be a good opponent for Miro? I mean, that would be the end of Miro's title win, but he he'd be very very good um to know when the match ended with eight minutes to go i was shocked like the crowd my next thought was is cody gonna retire and then that's the angle they were doing um uh to know the way cody fell into the table let's be real he totally flew into it, it looked really good that was a really great bump by cody um Sabi King, um, oh, talking about um, talk is Jericho with Malachi Black. I love that interview. He wants to fight everyone from Kenny to Sunny Kiss. Yeah, he. I love that he mentioned Sunny Kiss. He so he told Jericho that he basically writes down ideas for programs with people. Like he's got ideas for so many guys. That is so awesome. Like if if Malachi Black is now in a in a promotion where his ideas can be received and accepted freely, it's great that he's taking the time to think about what can I do with this person, what can I do with that person. Like being prepared, really awesome. I can't recommend that interview enough. Uh, it's really really cool, and you get a much better insight into what he's doing and what he's going for um, in in this rather than maybe listening to, to some things he said previously i i thought it was a great interview um i already read that one um <clears throat> uh it 
uh, he's been used optimally, optimally in AEW compared to how he was in WWE. Absolutely. He's a very creative guy. Um, you know, with with very creative people, like you, you always, everyone needs to have their ideas going through a filter in a company just to make sure that we're all on the same page. But I think he's, the freedom he's being given here, it's worked out really well so far. Um, uh, doo -doo -doo. Uh, Cody really sold that black mass, um, showing that the move is absolutely brutal. It looks brutal as well. I wish he'd kicked him again at the end rather than use the crutch, but that's just a small... Um, a small gripe, though. Um, to know, JR thinking the one-footed cover was just garbage really sold how devastating Malachi's kicks is, in my opinion. JR not knowing that this was a finish really helped me in this case. Yeah, um, of course, JR doesn't like to know how the matches are going to end. And, you know, that caused a problem last week when he accidentally called like, the wrong ending to the Hangman Page and Box match. But in this case, it really, really worked. Him selling, like, that's not enough to keep Cody down. And it was. Uh, as Matthew says, the one-foot cover made it even cooler. Um, so, I mean, that's it. You know, farewell for a while, Cody. We'll see. Well, maybe. We'll see who Malachi Black moves on to. But he really did impress me this week next week's dynamite jericho's fourth labor and stephanie's dream match chris jericho versus wardlow with mjf at ringside uh then we have nyla rose versus chris statlander um then we have the impact tag team championships the good brothers versus the dark orders evil uno and Stu grison and we have the impressive daniel garcia taking on Darby Allen and announced for the first rampage, it is uh, Dr. Britt Baker DMD versus Red Velvet. So next week, I'm hyped already. Like, I'm sold on one match. I've been waiting for Jericho versus Wardlow. We've now finally got a date. I'll be 100% having a little Wednesday night party watching this with some rose. It's going to be really cool. Um, and I'm so glad that they that we've got there. I, I've really enjoyed the labors of Jericho. Maybe next week we can we can go back over like what we thought of it all as an angle. But certainly for me, I really, really enjoyed it. I think it it showed a lot of variation in Jericho's game that he still has. And ending it with Wardlow is just perfect. Um, and as Tanol says, great little note here. Yes, there is an, another episode of Dark tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern time, 3 a.m. my time. Um, that is to get people used to that time slot for Rampage's debut next week. Thank you guys so, so much for joining me. I've loved all your comments today. Wonderful to see you all. All my usual little favorites, Matthew, Tanol, Pro Wrestling Outsider, Miro J. Um, all of you, really great to have you with me. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Keep an eye on this channel. I will have um, my interview with QT Marshall coming up on Monday. Um, please uh, subscribe to the AEW Weekly podcast, even if you watch it here um, as well. And then, you know, watch out for any new little special episodes I'll drop. I will put the QT interview on that as well. And if you're in London, come join me on September 5th. But thank you, everyone. Another great show. And goodbye.